But then I see it mixed with 50 other industrial chemicals and industrial chemicals that when you Google them, you're like, oh, this things that belong in my car, you know, like petroleum, battery acid, antifreeze, which is propylene glycol. And I was like, this is not the type of thing that I want to be rubbing around my eye and around my face every day. Welcome to Mission Critical, a podcast about the big picture, the purpose, and the values that drive today's most game-changing companies, entrepreneurs, and leaders. I'm your host, Lance Chung, Editor-in-Chief of Bay Street Bull, and I'll be introducing you to a group of brilliant minds who are making an impact on the world and forging the path ahead. While they may all be very different from one another, the question remains the same. What's your mission? When Tata Harper pivoted her career from industrial engineer to beauty entrepreneur, no one could have projected that she would soon go on to be known as the queen of green skincare. Yet today, Tata's eponymous skincare brand has reached astronomic levels of popularity, counting the likes of Gigi Hadid, Jessica Alba, and Tracy Ellis Ross amongst loyal brand fans. But Tata's commitment to restoring the beauty counter with more transparent and sustainable options doesn't just end with the serums and creams within her bottles. It extends into every aspect of her company, from her Vermont farm right down to the type of ink used on her paper packaging. But perhaps it's Tata's personal, intimate approach to her business that is the company's greatest asset. She is a glowing, quite literally, category leader that takes a hands-on approach to her principles of maximalist beauty. In this episode, Tata and I talk about how her Colombian upbringing influenced her worldview of beauty, the future of the industry, and what clean and natural beauty even mean. Are all synthetic ingredients bad and are all natural ingredients good? Listen to find out. Hi, Tata. How are you today? Hi, I am well. You? Good. I'm so excited to be chatting with you. I have to say, I was introduced to your brand through actually my own family because whenever I go back home to visit them, the bathroom is just stocked with your products and the bottle is so it's so recognizable in that color and obviously the product is amazing too and so um, my family is a huge fan of the brand and now it's just surreal that I get to be talking to you today. Oh my god I love that <laughs> and in your family it's who like your mom your sisters your wife like mostly are- my mom and then um I know all of her sisters also are all, um, a big fan so they're they live in the mountains in the Rockies um in Alberta uh-huh. and so it's really dry um and and your your skin gets really dry all the time so they're always looking for different things and um you know they're they're huge fans so it's uh, I was telling my family that I was interviewing you today and they were super excited about it but have you tried the products like that I have when I go back home a little know, bit to you <laughs> yeah for sure no when I go back home I try it and um you know even though like I my family grew up in Banff which is like a little ski town in uh in Alberta and um it's really dry there but I still I use the exfoliator and it's great like the the, the scrub it's uh-huh. just uh very gentle on the skin and uh, treats you well. <laughs> totally. Yeah, that cleanser is kind of like my desert island product. I can't live without it. And and it's really gentle enough that you can use it every day. I'm so glad that, that that's the product that you use. That's one of our uh, best sellers, actually, that yeah. the regenerating cleanser. 
Yeah, no. So I'm um, big fans of the brand back home with the family and and me as well. But I'm so happy that we could be chatting today. Um, you know, you have such an incredible story, uh, an incredible company that you've built. And I think it's really interesting what's going on in the beauty industry. And also just kind of from a larger macro standpoint, just consumer goods in general and how, you know, consumers are reacting or, or talking about things that are important to them and their values and um, the the companies that they choose to be loyal to. So, but before we get into all of that, maybe we can just rewind a little bit. You and your husband, you were both born in Colombia before you came to the US. What was your first experience with beauty like growing up? What was your fondest or earliest memory of it? Yeah, so yeah, I grew up in Colombia in the coast of Colombia in a town called Barranquilla. And in that town, people love beauty. Like we are not beauty minimalists over there. We're beauty maximalists. <laughs> we just want to layer everything on top of our skin. We want to apply every step. It's, it's kind of like the opposite of less is more. <laughs> There's like more is more, especially when it comes to beauty. And I grew up in a family where um, the women in my family were obsessed with beauty, including my grandmother, my mother, my aunts. And that love for beauty really um, kind of was contagious to the, the next generation. And my grandmother used to host the spa parties at her house almost every weekend. And she would bring many petty blowout. I would wake up really early in the morning with her and we would make a lot of concoctions that we had kind of like prepped from the day before, whether it was oatmeal masks or honey, you know, things for the hair. We would heat up oils also for your hair. It was just like a, like a beauty, uh, like a beauty morning. And I just love that process so much because it also taught me that beauty it's not a chore. It's not something that it's boring and no one has time for. It's actually something that you enjoy doing and it makes you feel good and it also makes you look good. So it's like a win-win situation. And uh, yeah, I grew up in, in a family that just really loved beauty and it was really a, a way of soothing. It was an avenue of bonding and soothing and catching up with friends and and kind of like getting ready for the weekend and it was so fun. It's very different than in other cultures. Um, you know, like we we really enjoy our beautification time. And right. not only skincare, huh? like hair is huge, nails, like everything beauty. Right. I guess it's a form of self-care in the same way that like food brings people together. And it's a, a way to bond with people and to like break bread. But, you know, you're beautifying and, and bonding with the people in your community or your family members and friends. Exactly, exactly. And it's so fun and so rewarding. And it's like you see the effects and the results right away, you know, after a whole <laughs> morning of beautification, like you look a thousand times better than when you started. And you also feel great, because you're taking care of yourself. Like when you look good, you feel good, you know, it's like, it's very rewarding. Yeah. And so zooming out, I mean, how do you think those early influences and your cultural influence uh, has shaped really your worldview on beauty as you were growing up and, and where you're at now? Like how much of an impact does that have on your perspective on beauty? Well, let's just say that if I didn't love beauty so much, Tata Harper would not exist because I'm not a beauty chemist. 
it was never like a, a, you know, a dream of mine to become a beauty entrepreneur. It's something that really happened out of necessity. And I needed products that deliver results and were natural. And this desire to find this product that didn't exist really drove the creation of the brand. So it's, it's to that point <laughs> you know, that my whole like life and career course has changed for me to be uh, now uh, involved in beauty and loving beauty and doing beauty for a living, which is something that I never planned for and never thought about. Yeah, of course. And I guess, I mean, if we look at it from a very broad general standpoint, like what does beauty mean to you? How do you define it? And like, is it a state of being? Is it a mentality? Is it how you feel? I mean, maybe it's a little bit of everything, but how do you define beauty for yourself? I think that beauty is this very ethereal thing between feeling good and transmitting this feeling back into the world. Because when, you know, when you don't feel good, you don't look as good, mm. right? And also, I feel that it has a lot to do with the way that you carry yourself. And, you know, it, it also reinforces like how attractive you feel that you are, you know, it's, it's, it's very mental, it's very emotional. And, and I think about that often because I, a lot of the friends that, for example, my friends that, or, or people in the street that I look and I'm like, oh, wow, they are so beautiful, is not necessarily that they're perfect and they have like the perfect features. It's more about the way that they carry themselves and this energy that they throw into the world. And it really stems from this point that they're really comfortable with where they are in the world how they look, and, and they put that out there. And that in itself is extremely attractive. I mean, obviously you need to, I, I, I am Latin and I believe on taking care of yourself to mm -hmm. maximize that, right? And honestly, like the way that I see beauty is much more than the creams that you use, even though like this is my business and I sell beauty products. Honestly, beauty is something like if you want to maximize your beauty, you really need to kind of like reevaluate a lot of like your lifestyle choices in, in many ways. It's not just about creams. It's about like how well you eat. It's about how well you sleep. It's how do you manage stress? How's your emotional well-being? Are you drinking the eight glasses of water a day and detoxifying? It's kind of like a, like a pizza that has a lot of slices. And uh, skincare is one of the slices, and it's a very important slice, but it's not necessarily the end-all be-all, right? Um, if you feel healthy emotionally and physically, like, you, you look good, you know what I mean? It's a holistic point of view, and I have to say that that is the best metaphor I've ever heard for beauty, um, I, and I've never heard that before, but that's great. I love it. And so I know that you've probably said this a million times, but for the people in the back, can you briefly just talk about the reason why you started your brand? Why was it so important for you to create and put something out into the world and a world that already has a lot of you know stuff? So what was your impetus to starting something and, and wanting to make an impact? It really started from this point that, well, let me just backtrack a tiny bit. So I was living in Miami. My stepfather got diagnosed with cancer. It was the first time that we had cancer in the family. And I ended up accompanying him to a lot of clinics, a lot of doctors, and learning a lot about lifestyle and how much your lifestyle affects 
your health, your well-being, you know, like the daily things, the daily practices, the daily interactions, right, with chemicals, with products, with things that you do, and how much that affects your well-being. And it's, even though I was a health enthusiast and a beauty enthusiast, I had never really like made that connection. And the doctors were always talking to us about the toxic load, which is another thing that I had never heard before. Like, wait, what toxic load? Like what are toxins are we exactly talking about? And they really educated us in how, through how we live nowadays and through all the things that we're in touch with, we just increase a lot of our toxic load if we're in touch with substances that are not very healthy and that are polluting for our internal environment. And that when you get to a point where toxins overflow and they get to a point where they manifest in diseases and imbalances in the body, and, and they were recommending that I help him reevaluate his choices and what he did on a daily basis and what he used. And, and obviously he's a guy, he wasn't using like a whole bunch of stuff like I was, um, but I, it got me thinking, I was like, you know, this is like in early 2000 when, you know, the, the world has changed so much, right? Like the wellness movement has evolved so much, but it wasn't so much evolved back then. So I started understanding the importance of eating organic, of cleaning my home with organic uh, natural products, even like the cleaning products I changed uh, and my dry cleaning, like everything, uh, everything that I could control. Let's just say that, right? Because there's a lot of things in your life that you can't control, but at least the things that I could control, I was controlling them. And I changed right. almost everything except for my Swiss skincare line. Like I had always, my, my family had always been like really big fans of Swiss skincare because it was really high tech, very luxurious, very advanced, very high quality. And I grew up with this mentality that I, you need to use like the best skincare so that you can really get the best results. And then I started like looking deep into what were the ingredients in this skincare line. And I saw that there were just like tons of industrial chemicals. And I was like, okay, let me, I'm sure that I'm going to be able with like, well, you said there's so much product out there, right? So I'm sure I'm going to be able to find a product that it's natural for real, like a hundred percent natural. And, uh, and I started looking for that. But what I real what I realized really quickly is that natural ingredients, even though they're the premium raw material, right? They're the most expensive. They're the most um, powerful in, in many ways. And they come from earth and, and they're really pure. They were, you know, the way that they showed up in the industry was in products that were really low end, not really like a lot of performance products that were simple, not, you know, they were not products for the demanding skincare customers, right? They were more for people that love it simple, people that are more beauty minimalist, which there's nothing wrong with that, but I wasn't one of those. I'm a beauty maximalist. So I was looking for something that was completely pure, but that was also concentrated and intense in, in, in results and science. And I did not find that. And a lot of the beauty products were natural beauty products were found in like little apothecaries, like, like supermarkets. And, you know, I, I never bought like my eye cream in supermarkets. I buy a whole bunch of other things, but not really like my skincare. So then I went back to a lot of the stores where I used to go get my products. And I was like, please guys help me. Like I'm looking for something that is truly natural. And, you know, and they show you products with algaes, products with roses and orchids, a lot of natural ingredients. But then I would turn around the box 
And I would get really curious about the ingredients. I'm an engineer. I'm an industrial engineer. Mm -hmm. And I am just very curious. I love science. I love materials. And I was like, okay, what's in here? And I would be like, oh, yeah, I see the algaes. But then I see it mixed with 50 other industrial chemicals. And industrial chemicals that when you Google them, you're like, oh, this things that belong in my car, you know, like petroleum, battery acid, antifreeze, which is propylene glycol. And I was like, this is not the type of thing that I want to be rubbing around my eye and around my face every day. I'm like, this is really not an option, you know, like at all for me, like this is exactly what I'm trying to get away from, uh, especially like, okay, this might be a little better because it has some botanicals, but it's not necessarily completely pure. So I didn't find it. And I started Tata Harper skincare because I thought that people like me should have options. Like there should be options. And and even though there were tons of products, I mean, now there's like a thousand times more products, but back then there were tons of options. And even with the tons of options, there was nothing that was completely different. And that honestly, I felt that make my life better, you know, like improve my quality of life. Like there was a lot of like the same, when you look at ingredients, you realize that it's almost like the same raw materials that are used over and over to preserve, to emulsify, to balance, to pH adjust and everything else. And typically what changes is like two or three ingredients here and there, but uh, I want it to be completely, completely pure. And that's when I realized that I, that I needed to create this product because they didn't exist. And, and it was a really long journey. It took me almost five years to develop the line because it, I almost had to like re-engineer the way that skincare is formulated you know, to, to formulate a skincare product, you need your active ingredients, right? Like a lot of the ingredients that do be beautiful things for your skin, whether they're algaes or orchids or roots or you name it, right? But then there's a whole bunch of functional ingredients that go into the formulas that typically customers never hear about, know about, talk about, or, you know, they, they don't even like realize that they're in there. And those are more like your preservatives and everything else. And I basically took each one of the sections of creating products and try to find natural ingredients for it. And, and what I realized is that I, what I wanted to create was not only something extremely different, but it's something extremely unique because everybody thought that it was crazy, that what I wanted to do was impossible. And also beauty is kind of like private label in many ways, like a lot of brands they don't necessarily formulate their own products that are unique. They typically rely on outsourcing the formulation of the products to third-party labs that right. make formulas for many brands, you know, like maybe they formulate for 100 or 150 different brands. And a lot of those formulations start with bases that are shared, you know, and then they change like one or two ingredients or the color and the smell or, oh, okay, this new type of vitamin C or this new type of ginseng. A lot of the formulas you revolve around like one main ingredient. And I realized that that's not at all what I wanted to do. I wanted something that was completely pure. Like that felt like gimmicky. I was like, wait, but my most important thing is to create a product that it's unique right? Completely unique and completely different. And I also hated the idea of like using a base that was used and shared by many brands and that was already out there in the world. And I also didn't like the idea of just revolving all the science around one ingredient because the skin is very complex and there's a lot of modalities that are needed 
in your skincare to be able to tackle your skincare issues from many different angles. Because like, for example, to improve collagen, it's not just about adding vitamin C, you know, like you need ingredients to help stimulate the growth of collagen. You need ingredients that help make the collagen fiber stronger. You need the other uh, set of ingredients that make your collagen fibers more compact, right? So in order to have something that was really comprehensive, it was never about one ingredient. It's about like a synergistic effect that many ingredients together do. So what I realized is that I needed to like really make this product from scratch from with different scientists and chemists that helped me develop the science and the know-how that we have today. And also to be able to have a formula that was really robust, robust enough to be able to handle many active ingredients working in concert together so that you get optimal results and even better results. It's kind of like I wanted, because as a customer, I had to buy so many things to cover my basis. I had to buy vitamin C, vitamin A, hyaluronic. What about my acids? And because they're all like single active, I had to buy so many things. And I was like, it wouldn't be great just to go into like a skincare diet, like a product that it's so multifunctional and so multi-purpose that you don't just need to buy this one thing. And this one thing could replace like eight different products that you're buying. So we, we did a lot of things differently, not only from a formulation standpoint with only pure ingredients, but also this idea of the synergistic blends so that you can really get like the most comprehensive results because we were not just trying to make a natural product. Natural products were out there in the market. What we were trying to make was the best moisturizers or the best serums in the world with ingredients that were completely pure. So it took a really long time and, you know, it took a lot of uh, going against kind of like industry experts and chemists and, you know, and everybody that thought that what I wanted to do was totally nuts. And, and, and what you realize is that, you know, a lot, when you're starting something new, this is the, the normal route. Everybody is going to say that it's not possible uh, until you find people that or ways to, to make that a possibility, right? Because a lot of times, a lot of this, no, it's not possible. Or, you know, all of this, like, you're crazy, comes from a place of, you know, more of like cultural than technological impediments right, <laughs> you know what right. i mean it's more psychological and emotional because you know cosmetic chemists have been you know formulating with the synthetic chemicals for the last 60 years and we've been marketed that that's the only thing that works right for the last 60 years so they and there hasn't been a need to change that so this is the way that they work this is the tools that they use and a lot of times a lot of chemists that are very experienced, they don't feel the need that they need to change that or that they need to experiment and find new ways of doing things. So it took a really long time mainly for that because I needed to find a group of scientists that were very intellectually involved in what I wanted to do and also wanted to create something that was really truly different. And even today, even with the rise of clean beauty and and, and sustainability, like there's nothing quite like us in terms of purity and also in terms of concentration of active ingredients and potency and efficacy. So it, it, was, a, it was a long journey, but a very satisfying journey once we were done <laughs> and, uh, and we were able to make like really superior products in every way.
I want to talk about science as well because there's a big emphasis on that, um, as you as you mentioned, and which I think is so important because especially today, I think there is a level of distrust and skepticism right now and in general, and an emphasis on transparency. And science can be one way to really help bolster trust and transparency, usually. Um, how do you use science to feel beauty? Like, you know, where, what part of your business is experimentation and under, like, you know, trying to find new ingredients or new applications and the other part, and what part of your business is, um, is, is, everything else, I guess. I mean, we are a real skincare company in the sense that we not only formulate products from scratch, right? And really like unique products, but we also make the products that it's very unique. So our business is completely vertically integrated. So we are in charge of the creation of our products from beginning to end. <laughs> you know, it's like there is no subcontracting at any point in, in our production. Uh, Which is very also. rare for this industry, I, I feel like. So totally, it <laughs> is completely, it is a complete departure. I, I, I can count with my hand the amount of brands that still today make their own products. And I felt that that, for example, for us was the most important responsibility and what our clients expect right, is that a company makes their own products and that also the products that they sell are really unique creations. And because I kind of like had this fantasy of like making this this way, we really designed the company so that we are in charge of all of it is. Now, in terms of science, I mean, science is at the core of everything that we do because without science, you don't have real skincare, right? Like skincare is all about making your skin better, making your skin more beautiful through many different pathways. And science is at the core of all of our innovation and at the core of all of our products. Um, there's, you know, and, and to create products, just so you have an idea, it, it takes us like two years to make our products. Because again, we start from scratch and starting from scratch involves a lot of research at the beginning, especially around all the different benefits that we want this product to have, because it's never about one benefit. It's always about multi-benefits. And then based on all those multi-benefits, we go out into the world and we curate ingredients from around the world. So we're more like curators of technologies around the world. And then we curate them into this very specific cocktail and formula that we put together. And right now we bring ingredients from like 98 different countries. And also we stock in our, in our factory and in our lab, you know, more than 400 ingredients from all over the world, including ingredients that come from our farm, but really ingredients from all over the world, because we work really closely with labs from all around the world. And, and we formulate with this, uh, nothing is out of the question approach to science. We're not just about vitamins. We're not just about the microbiome. We're not just about your cells. We're about everything that will take us to, you know, to achieve the results that we're looking to achieve through the formula. So it's really exciting, right? To have kind of like that blue sky thinking to green jar, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, and, and that is how we formulate. And it takes a lot of research. It, it takes a lot of 
validation of ingredients because we also, you know, we don't use any synthetic chemical whatsoever. We have like this really like clear line between like, we are never going to use synthetic chemicals at all. And also we avoid using ingredients that have been tested on animals, ingredients that have been processed in ways that are unsustainable. So there's a big validation process that takes place for us. And also we, all of our line is, uh, it's certified by EcoCert, which is a third party certifier. It's a total optional certification, right? Like us as producers, we don't need to certify anything. <laughs> uh, but it's something that we do because honestly, it's when you have products that have third party seals, they are the customer's best friends. We really do it for our customers. So they become more informed consumers and also so that they have the assurance that what they're buying is what they think that they're buying. So for example, EcoCert goes through all of our raw materials, goes through all of our packaging. They come and audit us from France every quarter and they look at everything. And, and, and it's great to have that assurance, right? As a, as a customer, that something tells you exactly in the package that you can tell from the package that all of the nat all the ingredients are 100% natural. You're also be able to, you're also able to tell like the percentage of organic content. Also having that seal also certifies a level of sustainability that it's really above standards. So all of those things are really important for us. And I feel that transparency when it comes to all of those things have been lacking in the industry for a really long time. And then the other thing talking about transparency that people don't necessarily talk a lot about is manufacturing transparency. Like where are your products actually being made? Who's making your product, <laughs> right? Yeah. Because it's like, imagine that you go to this bakery that you love. And you love the, the, what they sell there, the pastries, the cakes, everything. But then you realize that those cakes and those pastries are not necessarily recipes that are unique to the bakery. And then on top of that, you realize that the bakery doesn't even bake the stuff, that it's actually baked in another kitchen where they make bread for, you know, a hundred other bakeries, right? That's what's happening in the beauty industry for most of the, for most of it. So having a product that it's really made by us, where we really stand behind the freshness, behind the quality, that we are responsible for everything that goes into the product, it's really important for us. And I feel that that is a level of respect that we owe our clients and that I think that a lot of our customers like really appreciate us for. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I know that you have a bottle traceability program that I want to, um, you know, touch on as well. But uh, before that, you know, what is clean beauty? And I know there's a dialogue around um, being a clean beauty brand, but what is clean beauty? Or rather, if we you know, ask the question in a different way, what is unclean beauty? What are you not? And I know that you also talk about synthetic ingredients. Are all synthetic ingredients necessarily bad? And are all natural ingredients necessarily good? Like, how do you, um, I guess, educate consumers on that? Totally. What, what a great question. So for us, our definition of what we do is that we have zero tolerance for synthetic chemicals and we are aligned that it's completely pure and natural, right? I don't know if we're clean. I think that eventually everything will be clean because there's really no, no definitions around clean. It, it's kind of like an effort that a lot of brands are making 
and and I like that about that, right? Like it's it's a, it's an effort that many companies are making to remove controversial chemicals, whether they're parabens or SLS or polyquaternions or you know things that have been shown to be controversial. Or it's also they it and it also combines uh, steps to becoming more sustainable. Um, to being, uh, you know, more cruelty free. So it's really like a really large universe, what clean encompasses, but at the same time, it, there's no standards that are equal for all. It's very brand oriented, the definition of clean. So for some brands, it's about like their dirty six. For some other brands, right. it's about removing parabens. For other brands, about coming up with refills and adding more botanicals into their formula. So it's really all over the place. And that's why I don't necessarily think that we're clean because it, it really doesn't apply to us. Like we take all of those concepts to an extreme, right? Like we are very absolutist in that sense. And we don't leave anything like in, in a gray zone. You know, it's very mm. black and white for us. Uh, all of those things. So when they ask me, I always say like, you know, we are a, a brand that it's all about science and true science for around the world. And our science relies on really potent natural ingredients that come from uh, all over the world. It's very unregulated. So it's really confusing. I hope that I would have like better, you know, kind of like better news here. But that's really like the state of affairs right now. And that's why I think that in this very confusing environment, why it's really even more important to look at seals and for clients to become informed about what they're looking for. Because for example, if for you being cruelty-free is really important, then you need to become familiar with what that cruelty-free seal looks like and, and look for brands that have that seal. If for you, for example, uh, sustainability is top of mind, you need to become familiar what those sustainability seals look like. Like if it's forest certified or the recyclable, the post-consumer seals, because when brands have those seals in their packaging, that means that that aspect of their business is really important to them and that they invest in that because those seals are expensive uh, they're very involved. A lot of those seals to have them like EcoCert, like very few brands actually meet the standards that we meet and they're really hard to obtain. Uh, and, and usually when brands obtain a seal like EcoCert, for example, that is an extremely difficult seal to get, uh, it's typically like just like a few products in their collection. It's not that their whole line is certified by EcoCert. So I think that in this very confusing environment that we're in, really third-party seals are your best, best friends as customers, because they really speak for themselves. And what about the brands, however, that are maybe smaller and can't afford to get that kind of certification or, you know, can't access that certification, but are still producing a product that is committed to those same values? I mean, I was at some point a very small brand. And I've had all of the seals since the beginning and I invested in them because they were important from the beginning. They were never an afterthought. They were never a question. It was always important to have them. And yes, some, some brands, if they, they don't have them and they decide to spend their money elsewhere, um, you know, it, it, will be the, it will be the same open-ended question with their clients. Is this the real deal or not? Sure. <laughs> you know, it's, it's really something that you do for your clients. 
Yeah. And so, I mean, when I was back home visiting my family and I was looking at the packaging um, and just kind of reading the, the, the bottle, because I also have a very similar experience with my family in terms of um, some members of the family uh, having health issues. And so it was really a wake up call in terms of understanding what you're putting into your body and onto your body. And so uh, that was kind of like a masterclass in being in in I guess like label literacy I guess is one way you could say it is just understanding how to navigate a label and the ingredients and everything like that and also you know how these certifications and stuff and so while I was back home um, looking through the products it's very evident that the packaging is very sustainable and then I looked online and it's you know it was really impressive because even down to the type of ink that you use on the packaging uh, is uh, I think like a soy based ink that helps it, um, you know, it, that makes it easier to be recycled. So I think that's super impressive. Um, but how difficult was it to extend your ethos around sustainability into packaging and finding all those co components and just kind of committing yourself to, you know, even finding plastic that was derived from sugarcane instead of petroleum? Um, and then also, how does that affect your relationship with your customers? How much are they appreciating and how much are they noticing those things? Totally, totally. So, you know, sustainability for us has never been like something that we do for marketing. It's something that we do just because we believe that that is the way to do business in the future. And actually, it's it's a part of the business that we don't talk a lot about. Um, some some customers are really interested in, and there's information in our website about it, but we don't necessarily talk about it in that way just because it's just embedded into every decision that we make. Because in my opinion, in order to call yourself a sustainable company, you have to make sustainable products, meaning the product itself need to be sustainable, right? Like they can't pollute the earth. They shouldn't be polluting the air. They shouldn't be polluting the water, right? So that's when you have the right to call yourself sustainable. And I feel that what I hear a lot about is brands that claim to be sustainable is because they're either buying back their carbon emission or mm -hmm. they're donating to environmental charities or they just focus on the eco-friendliness of their packaging. I feel that sustainability is something that can be chopped up like that, like, right? And call yourself sustainable. Like it's something that it needs to be all encompassing. So for us, it was never a question that it was the way that we needed to go because I also realized that this is a luxury product that we're making, you know, like we're not making just like crunchy granola moisturizer. <laughs> we're making like the best moisturizer in the world. So wouldn't it be great that, a luxury product like this also gives clients the ability to be sustainable with their purchase so that they feel good about what they're buying, not only because they're making their skin great and because they're applying them such an awesome experience, but also with this purchase, they're not contributing to more trash in the world. So yeah. uh, that has always been super, super, super important for me. And, and sustainability, I mean, it's a working progress and you were never really done. It's what you, what I realized is that you start, you know, from a place that you can do as much as you can and then new things evolve and now you can do more and now you can do more. And every time that we can do more, we're doing more. Sustainability is also a hard thing, not necessarily because it's hard to implement. 
it's hard because it's expensive, you know, because if you want to start using a lot of this innovative products that are sustainable and are out there in the market, you know, you have to pay the price of being one of the first ones that use it until we get to a point where all these things are scaled up and we can get them at more reasonable prices, but they're really hard. They're really hard decisions because they affect directly the cost of the products. And sometimes in many cases, it, it, you know, the, the costs are exponentially, exponentially uh, bigger when you're talking about things that are sustainable. So for example, like we try to minimize as much as we can the use of plastics, whether they come from sugarcane or they come from corn plastics and bioplastics. We just want to minimize that as much as possible. So we use like, I think that 98% of our products come in glass because glass is infinitely recyclable. Like you can, as long as people are recycling glass, glass will always be used. Same for our paper and our fiber. Like we try to use, you know, cartons and and, and paper that come from forests that are uh, managed responsibly that paper will cost like maybe 10 times more than cutting a tree and doing virgin fiber. (laughs) So it's like, oh my God, this is 10 times more. Same for the ink that you were mentioning, you know, like doing soy inks costs maybe eight times more than doing synthetic inks. Uh, Using glass packaging costs maybe 15 times more than using plastics and, and so on. So it's things that are hard just because they impact directly your cost of goods. And, and then on top of that, right, like the products are made with multi-active ingredients that come from all over the world, that they are all pure, right? Because we, we don't use anything, anything that is synthetic and that it's polluting, uh, whether the earth or your, um, or your body. So everything adds up. And, and, and I think that, uh, you know, as being a pioneer in this, in this world of sustainability and beauty and everything else, I think that are, are some of the things that, you know, we, and even with my own team, like I sometimes tell them, it's like, we need to wean ourselves off from this idea that everything can be cheap and that it also going to be sustainable and it's going to be pure and it's going to be fresh made in by us and it's not going to be outsourced, right? So it's, it's a matter of quality. And, and that also applies to the raw materials themselves, because you were also asking me about like, okay, what about synthetic chemicals? Are they all bad? The reality is that the science and the studies around synthetic chemicals are very limited, like long-term studies. So we don't really know what happens you know, with the long-term sustained use of a lot of synthetic chemicals that we used in personal care. That's the reality. The studies are incomplete. They haven't been studied. So they're been labeled, quote unquote, safe synthetics. But we don't know. So I re- prefer to take more of a precautionary kind of principle where it's like, okay, we can avoid them. Let's avoid them, right? Because we never know. Just like talk, right? Like a recent example. We've been using it forever. No one knew anything. And then, boom, long-term studies are done. And it, you know, and, and then it shows... Um, that they're not that great. Yeah, you don't know what you don't know. 
Yeah, you don't know what you don't know. And then it's also a matter of quality, right? Like, do I want to be using, even though these ingredients are totally safe, like maybe putting gasoline around your eye is totally safe. But do you want that? Like, why would you want to put gasoline around your face every day, right? Like, there are better ingredients that keep moisture inside of the skin, that will moisturize the skin, that will do a lot of the things that petroleum do. And it's not petroleum, that it's pore clogging and that really doesn't provide any benefits to the skin other than the fact that they feel great <laughs> and that they, they it, it doesn't allow your moisturizer from evaporating from the skin. But there's a lot of natural ingredients that also keep your moisture inside of the skin as well and lock it all in. And it's not necessarily that level of quality. So it also boils down to that, right? Like what, what quality are you looking for? And some people don't mind using petroleum. They don't care. They, some people might love it. Like, I, I don't know, but I necessarily don't. And I don't feel that this is the way to take care of your skin in the most high quality way, let's say. <laughs> I have two more questions for you before we wrap up. What excites you most about the future of beauty and the future of the industry and the category that you're in? I think that, well, two things. One is sustainability. I am in love with what's happening now with new material sciences and evaluating, you know, things that are biodegradable and uh, new materials that are more sustainable for real. Uh, so that is extremely exciting. Um, and then I would say that the other part that is really exciting is just green technology just keeps getting better and better. And the sky's the limit right now, I think. And, uh, and as I was saying, like we really formulate with this kind of like nothing is out of the question approach to our formulas. So I'm always, me and my team, discovering like new ingredients to add to our formulas and, and we just recently launched a, a collection called Superkind that it was the first um, it was the first time that we really curated products for allergic uh, sensitive skin. And for that collection, we found 36 new ingredients from 13 different countries because Superkind was it's really kind of like challenging this idea that products for sensitive skin need to be simple because we don't formulate anything that it's simple. We formulate, if anything, it's the opposite of that. It's like our formulations are really complex. So how do you do skincare for sensitive skin where you're really providing true anti-aging, real technology, and it's not just about soothing redness and, you know, and, and anti-inflammatories, right? But that actually help with wrinkles and skin redensification and moisturizing and vitamins and nourishment and cellular health and energy and you know all the things that we can do topically now and i think that that is the thing that really those two things really are the most exciting things in my business right now o other than the fact that we're globalizing the brand like right now we're in 53 different countries and and we're keep, you know, like expanding. So, you know, during COVID, we launched in a lot of new markets and, and, and just visiting those markets this year and getting to know the different cultures and the different habits of the different places that we're selling in. It's extremely exciting as well. And getting to be more intimate with, you know, with different beauty cultures from around the world, whether it's, you know, I just came back from the Middle East. I was in Dubai 
in Abu Dhabi. And I just realized that there, for example, women are a little bit more minimal with skincare and more maximalist when it comes to makeup and fragrance, right? Mm. Which is different than how the French approach beauty, that it's more more of a maximalist routine or even more maximalist. Like when we go to Asia or when you go to Latin America where, you know, like really they embrace like a multi-step routine. So all of those things keep it really exciting. I don't know which one I would choose that keeps me the most excited, but like combination of all, like really like keep us on our toes at all times and, and honestly, like really engaged. Yeah, that's, that's, Super exciting. And I'm also familiar with the um, super kind because I was on that media call with with you um, maybe a month or two ago at this point, but it's a great product and um, we have it actually in our in our new issue coming up. So uh, congrats on that. My last question is one that I typically end all my interviews with. And it's really I mean, we really like to talk about purpose and value. So what is your mission at the end of the day? What's the bigger picture for you? The bigger picture for me is to be able to provide my client a product that is completely unique, completely multifunctional, and that it's completely pure and that it enriches their wellness and it enriches their lives. Because I think that that, for example, is one of the things that it's really important, especially as you were saying, like there's so much product out there, but how many products out there are making people's lives better? How many products out there are actually reducing waste and pollution? How many products out there are really helping you enrich your health and your well-being? Right? That there's not mm. many when you like really get down to it. That that is that is our goal. And to be able to make the best products in the world, like honestly, like that's what we do. We make a, the best, most comprehensive skincare in the world. And that it comes from all pure ingredients that have been clinically tested to perform and give you results. Great. I love that answer. Tata, thank you so much for being so generous with your time and so enthusiastic. And I love hearing about your mission and the trajectory of the brand and everything that um, you're working towards. It's super, it's super inspiring. And um, I'm going to call my mom after this and tell her about the chat and she's gonna be super excited so thank you so much for the chat and i really appreciate it and hopefully we'll see you in toronto sometime soon totally please send a kiss to your family from my part yes uh, if they need any tips i'm happy to provide them and uh, thank you so much for having me it was so nice to to chat in an age where consumers crave transparency and authenticity from their brands Tata Harper and her team are transforming the narrative in the lifestyle space. Whereas countless competing beauty brands have been criticized for unsustainable and inhumane production practices, Tata Harper Skincare has enjoyed staggering growth behind the values of efficacy, quality, and purity. Inspired by her cultural roots and professional background, Tata's science-centric approach to beauty has delivered an ethical blueprint for the rest of the industry and others to follow. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd appreciate it if you left a review on Apple Podcasts so we can get the word out. To keep up to date, subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, ask yourself, what's your mission? <laughs>